Everyone, hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here in dining room studios with Mike Schmidt, writer, comedian, actor, host of the 40-year-old boy podcast, and someone that Giovanni has been recommending that I have on my show for a long time. Giovanni, as you know, loves you. Yeah, you buried the lead there. <laughs> which part is the lead? The only reason I'm in the building is because of Gio, probably. I mean, you went you went all you listed credits, which was great. But Geo has been hectoring you and tugging on the hem of your shirt and saying, you got to get this guy on. And it was very nice of him to do so. Thank you. I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> but now it's up to you to bring it. All right. Well, take care, folks. It was nice to be here. <laughs> I enjoyed it. No pressure. None. Let's just get right into the most important thing, which is you brought your own water <laughs> fresh from the cooler that you carry with you. I do. You brought two of your own waters, which is good because lately... I will give a guest a water and then they'll be done with it mid-show. And so hence, that's why now you have four waters in front of you. Well, I heard Margaret Cho coughing up cotton balls and I said, I got to yeah. get some water. And that's at her house. You would right. think that she would have some water on you hand. You would think. But uh, no. So I said, be prepared. She runs dry. <laughs> does she really? That's, it's so, <laughs> she does. so antithetical to what you would think of Margaret Cho. Isn't you would think though? she's running wet all the goddamn time. Well, she's running dry except for the time she runs wet. I see. Uh, but you said that you chug water all day long. I do. And I do a similar thing, only it's not water, it's diet soda, or it's my um, sparkling water beverage, which is artificially flavored. Well, I, now, I used to be a Propel guy. Oh, I, I still am. Okay. I love it. I love it. But I just right now we're in a water phase. But God damn, do I love Propel. Propel, the only time that I, and it's very unprofessional, had to get up in the middle of a live show and use the restroom. Now, granted, live shows can be long, but sure. nev this never, ever, ever happened to me, ever, ever, ever. And I'm someone who pees all the time. But Bef I can before or since? Never. It's ha had never happened before or since. Terrific. The one time it happened, I was sitting in the green room between shows, drinking Propel lemon water, and I was like, "This is really good. I'm gonna have another." This is good. I'm going to keep hydrating. And then, holy shit, I feel like my eyeballs were turning yellow. <laughs> That'll happen. And and because Propel lends itself to chugging. I know it that does. sounds ridiculous, but it's almost, because uh, it's weird. I can taste the difference in water, which mm. sounds fucking weird. No, but it doesn't. It sounds like um, a fine water magazine. Well, <laughs> <laughs> if that existed. Which is actually called wet, running wet, believe <laughs> right. it or not. Uh, but I mean, like Evian, I can't drink anymore. It's too soft. It tastes soft. It's gross. I don't like Evian. Uh, Dasani, which we have here and been provided by you, thankful you gave me some water. Uh, gross, horrifying, bad water. It's because it's oh, the, it's okay. in my opinion, it's the water they don't use for Coke. Like it wasn't good enough to get mixed with the Cokes. They were like, ah, throw that in the fucking orphan bottles and they threw it out as a, as a water. You think they use only the good water for Coke? That's exactly it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Keep going. Run down all the waters. Now, Arrowhead me... tastes like rocks. It literally tastes is like that... if you licked a rock or you had dirt in your mouth. Is that because the picture is of rocks, I think? No. I, I can taste... It tastes like a sharp mineral Sediment. taste. Yeah. Okay. And I, I don't know if that's from years of being a road comic where you'd get bad showers and you'd be like in Utah and it's like, this is right from a well outside and it tastes like you're showering in Arrowhead. It just tastes like uh, filth. I don't like Arrowhead either. Okay, keep going. Uh, let's see. Uh, that Voss stuff. 
Oh, I actually like that. And when I, the fact that I like it makes me know that deep down I'm a douchebag. There's pe- only douchebags <laughs> like that's water for douchebags. Yeah, it tastes like a steam room. It almost tastes like chlorine kind of, like the smell of a hot tub. It tastes like it has lime in it. Exactly. Yeah. Like it, it, uh, and douchebag is a great description. Yeah. It, it, it tastes you. like, a, like a, the green room of a nightclub, where the, but the, the guys who aren't drinking with agents. It tastes like agencies. That's what it tastes like. Oh, man. It tastes like right. ICM. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Horrible. Right. It um, tastes like some kind of merger. It, yeah, exactly. Like a yeah. corporate discussion in manila folders. But Ugh. I like it because I should, I don't. In general, I don't really like water. That's the thing, uh, which is why I don't drink it very often. But when I discovered Voss, I'm like, well, here's a water I can actually drink. Okay. But I stopped. Water like, can yeah. suck a dick. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> uh, Crystal Geyser is the uh, gold standard of waters. Really? I, will, I would crawl through the desert and pass up Arrowhead, Avion, and Dasani just to find a Crystal Geyser. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I am, and it's weird. Like I'll Yet go. Yeah, you're drinking Ralph's purified drinking well, water. Well, sometimes in a crunch, there's nothing <laughs> you can do. And, and uh, sadly, I'm also cheap. So uh, I usually go to Smart and Final and get my Crystal Geyser. And how, hi, everybody, wake up. Don't be bored to tears by this. But I'll go and I'll buy the on sale Smart and Finals. I also like liter bottles, not half liter bottles. Sure. Uh, so, but that's why I'm carrying two because I drink a liter at a time. God damn it. This is boring. Somebody stop me from talking. Okay. Stop talking. <laughs> um, here, one more thing about this, because I like to drive a subject into the ground. The reason I give people the Dasani water, which I didn't realize was just serving them liquid shit, <laughs> uh, is because the bottle is less crunchy. I like, see. you have brought a crunchy bottle. Clearly. And you might crunch it into the mic. Yeah, my I don't gr- think you will, because you're a pro, but other people will sit there and just, just squeeze yeah. their bottle as if they are, like like working out with one of those things that helps you when you have arthritis. Oh, the grip deal? Like yes. that thing or like a stress ball? All, all of it. <laughs> all of that. Uh, yeah, Dasani's a good solid bottle. There's, okay. I can't argue with that. Uh, I, I go with my girlfriend. Uh, she lives in Wisconsin, so we'll wind up at a Piggly Wiggly buying cheap water. I've never been to a Piggly Wiggly. Does uh, that make me seem hoity-toity <laughs> that I've never been to a Piggly Wiggly? Because I want to be the hoi polloi. No, you're you're in. Trust me, don't go. It's it's overrated. They got okay. salami like everybody else. But their water bottles are crunchy, extremely crunchy, and flimsy. Ugh. So even when you've got the cap off and you're drinking, it'll it'll almost collapse underneath your fingers. Or that could be my immense strength. I don't. I'm not sure. <laughs> right, your Herculean strength. Certainly, I think it's that. So let's talk about yes. everything. Mm-hmm. You have a girlfriend. I do. Last time I talked to you, you had a wife. I did. This is not the same person. No, it is but not. Imagine if it were. Imagine if you just demoted the relationship yeah i'm richard burton i'm out i'm like getting divorced and dating the same chick yeah that'd be great no i have a girlfriend who lives in wisconsin so we're doing the long distance back and forth uh Mm. thing which is uh amazing she's very cool about it her name is jill yes yeah absolutely um and she's she's the best so well she'll come out here and and then i'll go there and it snows and i go why the fuck don't you come out by me more often right Uh, but it's because she has a cool house and she has a a real job and she has to be there for work and i got nothing going on so i'm like yay i love your house so what's her real job she works for a government insurance company and i Mm. can't say any more than that really because you don't know or because you can't dude i'm not allowed in the building like she's it have, got a, is it one of those w- buildings that has no windows? She's got yeah, she's got a badge that she has to slide to get through a vestibule and then slide another thing. It's like get smart. Like I don't know where the fuck she works, but I can't go in. That's all I know. I'm not allowed inside because I can't even pick her up. I can't. One time I went to deliver flowers. She's like, it's probably not a good idea. They're gonna have to stop it at three different desks and go through it. Like it's wow. because there's 
uh, medical records on display and there's an issue with uh, privacy. Okay. So, I mean, if I ever it's walked like a through. Thing. Yeah. So, if I saw. Ex- that's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's how funny because I don't. I wouldn't know what the hell that was if mm-hmm. it wasn't for her saying it. But yeah. So, when she leaves for. When she leaves work for the day, she literally has to clean her entire desk off and lock it up in drawers and things like that. And, oh, my God. Yeah. That would be my nightmare because I'm a super messy person. <laughs> Yeah, and um, she winds up in two different cubicles, so she's got to kind of stay on top of that. Dude, every Saturday she runs a thirty-six thousand page report. Wait, why two different cubicles? Because she, she works like to in, keep her on her toes. So, yeah, they hop around. <laughs> uh, yeah, she walks in. They don't know where they're going to put her. Um, but Jeez. Yeah, so they're actually moving buildings now, so she's going to have to have a long commute and stuff, which is freaking her out. But uh, but on and Saturdays she literally runs a thirty-six thousand page report. Of uh, what? And, uh, um, of records for the entire Eastern Seaboard for their for their insurance and things like that wow and i I'm, i don't understand how i said how many trees are you murdering every yeah. every week um i don't know why it wouldn't be some sort of you know you could put Email. all that on a fucking thumb drive right yeah. at this point but uh this company does not so i and, and i so i don't want to go in there i don't want to get crushed by a giant report right <coughs> cia <coughs> <laughs> so how does i'm gonna take some liberties here please do a buckle down home owning piggly wiggly frequenting secretive government insurance paper using woman named Jill yes wind up with the likes of you uh I don't know either I I she wound up listening to the show and and the 40 year old boy uh, yeah she wound up listening to the podcast and we wound up doing a, a correspondence thing um you know via email and facebook and things like that and she was a, someone who just enjoyed the gig and she kept saying you got to come to milwaukee you should really come to milwaukee it would be great if you came and did a show in milwaukee so then i did a show in milwaukee and uh i was married at the time and uh, oh, the, the yeah. plot thickens <laughs> well, it thickens it's now the thickness of arrowhead water <laughs> things were uh well i mean but things in my house were i mean they were a fucking crapshoot at that point anyway you know she had tuned. we will be talking about that oh fantastic she tuned me out and going off and done her own deal and that was fine but we Wait, still done her own deal does that mean was dating people oh no 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 oh, no okay. not at all I, I mean maybe i don't know I, i'll say i'll talk about this why not because i'm a jerk uh one time i went in her phone when things were bad and she had the number of someone named stranger danger in her phone and i went is I it 911 i no it was not but in my head i just went i don't I probably don't want to know who that is. Like yeah. I just, and it was the only time. It was the only time I ever did that. And the only it was time when, I looked in her phone. Yeah, and it was when because things were gone had were had gone to hell anyway. Right? Did um, you suspect she was cheating? Not even cheating. No, I I, like, I don't what know. were you looking for? My ex wife was bananas, dude. I mean, like she was she was great for a while, and then also, but also she had things, you know. And we mm. all have things, right? Um, but she just kind of checked out at one point. And went, yeah, you know, I'm not doing any of this anymore. I'm going to do that thing that I want to do. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter about us and a team and all this. And, and, and she's married to me. I'm an idiot. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't blame her. And we just kind of started living <laughs> separately together, you know? Right. So, uh, so I had been corresponding with Jill. And then I went to Milwaukee. And, uh, and I wasn't looking, I mean, for anything like that. It wasn't, and, and uh, I walked out on stage, the truth. I walked out on stage for the show. And this is when I was doing my one-man show, and the shows would be long. You know, they would be almost like three hours long mm-hmm. when I was out performing. And I walked on stage, and we had only talked through Facebook. But when I walked on stage, she was sitting in the front row, and I, f- I froze. And it was the first time I'd ever, and it's, it sounds silly, but that love at first sight kind mm-hmm. of existed. I wanted nothing more. I didn't even want to do the show. Like I completely forgot myself in the moment. I wanted to throw her over my shoulder, literally go scoop out like a caveman, throw her and run away and and take her and talk to her and find out about her. I'm not even kidding. Wow. From the first moment I saw her, I fell in love with that woman. What was it? 
I don't know. Well, she's beautiful, first of all. So mm-hmm. my eye went right to her, and also we've been corresponding. You and you had seen pictures, so you knew what she looked like. Oh, certainly. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I creeped the hell out of her Facebook. Once we started <laughs> to talk, it was like, all right, well, let's take a look at this. I, I always tease her. I go, I go, you know that picture of the fun day at the boat? And she's like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? <laughs> I go, it's some picture from like 2013. She goes, you went through my photos? I go, yeah. Once we I'm were like, talking. Yeah, when we get together, I'll go through your phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, not anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was, uh, it was that where I just saw her and I, and I literally had to gather myself in the moment and mm-hmm. go, you got a show to do. There's like a room full of people here waiting to hear you talk. Right. And I had to kind of step back from it. And, uh, and then I find out later she felt the same way. Uh, I didn't know that, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, because after the show, she wouldn't come up to me and talk to me. All of her friends and everybody kept coming up and going, she's scared of you. She's Jill is scared of you. And like, <laughs> why, why is she scared of me? Um, but she was there and she was with her then husband. And, oh, uh, boy. <laughs> and he was there and he's like, hey, good to meet you. And he's shaking my hand. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I'm only shaking your hand because I know it touched her at some point. <laughs> um, and then she finally got the courage to walk up to me and she kissed me on the mouth. In front of her husband? Yes. Wow. It was, and then she kind of did that thing where she pulled herself away, like ah, then shook my hand, like nice to meet you, and uh, it was weird. Wait, what was the? What were your? She has no interest in me doing. I, I know she's going to murder me too for going into this kind of detail, but oh well. What um were the emails like between the two of Nothing. you? Nothing. Literally, like hi, how are you? I had, I had, so it was the so you were. You were meeting her under the auspices of just friendship, right? When I go and do shows on the road, I would always meet fans, and fans and I would go out after. I, I'm, I'm, I would just, I would do the show, and then afterwards, it kind of became a thing where people would call dibs. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I went to Philadelphia, and, and uh, my friend Sarah J and Francis, these people, they would call dibs. So uh-huh. I go out to eat dinner with them. We just hang out, and I didn't literally. It was just hanging out with fans and what, who I consider friends because right. my show is very cult niche and so i kind of almost even get to know people because they think they know me because the show is just me talking about my life over and over Mm -hmm. and over and detailing every detail of it so they know who i am so they felt this kind of closeness to me and i'd go to portland and this guy todd was there you know you start to know the fans i'm sure you have the same thing when you guys would travel the road so uh it was just that sort of correspondence there was it wasn't any sort of sexually charged any sort of well i can't wait to see you or it was just a very much a relationship of hi how are you and she'd but now we look back and there's photos because Facebook does that nonsense where they're like, you know, on this day. So like four years ago, I'd put up a picture and she's like, well, uh, you know, well, when are you coming to Milwaukee? <laughs> and she even says to me, she's like, I, I was not subtle at all, I, I guess. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you weren't because I didn't. But I didn't pick up on any of that. And I never even thought about it until the instant I walked on stage. Because again, right. like, I, I, again, I was married and figured I was married forever. And whether it was going bad or good, I didn't get married to get divorced. I got married to go, well, well this better or worse and all that shit. Mm. And we'll figure it out. You got married to give up. <laughs> I do a lot of things to give up, Allison. <laughs> not just getting married. So, um, how did you guys deal with your pesky spouses? Um, well, we we didn't, you know, we didn't consummate anything for a long mm-hmm. time. You know, we wanted, we felt it, and it was there, and it was really charged this atmosphere. And then we hung out all night and talked, and it was that thing we got lost in each other. But we we wouldn't do anything because we were married, right? Um, and so then I would travel and, and sometimes I would be in Milwaukee doing a show. We'd talk, we'd text all night and we'd do that sort of thing. Um, and we were just friends. I mean, it, it really wasn't there. I felt something else, but I, did, I didn't know she felt it until mm-hmm. later. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't yeah. like she came, you know, that I could feel it. You kind of know. Yeah. But we were just still talking as friends and things like that until then uh, I went out. I filmed a movie in Louisiana. Oh, what movie? Uh, it was, a, well, it was a movie called Asylum. Um. So it was a movie that was made, uh, my friend Chris Mancini 
wrote a movie and it was purchased. I know Chris Mancini. There you go. Mm-hmm. And it, he wrote a movie that was purchased by a small independent film company and they turned it into a horror movie. Well, the story is they sent it off to Bulgaria or somewhere and a director went rogue. And that's literally the term the film company used. And he filmed a bunch of stuff and never took any notes and he just did what he wanted to do. So they called Chris back and they said, can you fix this? So he said, well, let's do it like a mystery science theater wraparounds. We'll film a bunch of stuff where people make fun of this garbage movie because they had to turn it into the studio. They owed them the the film. And he hired me to come in and do voiceover over the the terrible scenes and make fun of it as if I were an editor of that film getting rushes (laughs) and having to deal with it in the studio. So I, I went to Louisiana to film that. And when I came home, uh, my apartment was empty. Uh, Mm -hmm. Karen had left. And, uh, and so then I was like, oh man, and I was, I was pretty crushed. You know, I was, I was, and I was wiped out 20 years. Uh, It was, it was the day before our 20th anniversary of meeting. So we celebrate that as an anniversary, but we had been married for mm, 17, Mm -hmm. I think, or 15. I don't, I don't remember. Um, yeah. So, uh, so that happened and I was, I was pretty wrecked because I never even, again, I wasn't considering anything. I didn't think anything of it, right. but after a little bit of time passed, I, I was like, oh, well, you know, now I'm, I'm kind of free to do this. And, uh, and I did and I tried and it worked out. So, and had she already left her husband? No, but it had fractured uh-huh. in, in such a way where, you know, she, she wasn't happy and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and they were, they were living together, but also f- trying fighting and i i don't even know again i i can't speak to that but i i just know that we wound up talking and i kind of pursued it a little more than i had been right so so how bad was emotionally how tough was the divorce well given that you you know what were the, falling in love um it, it was completely unemotional and not tough at all because she ghosted me mm. she literally bailed took her stuff and just left there was no we have no kids we had no custody fight. There was no fight over the fucking couch. You know what I mean? It was just she bailed with what she wanted. Um, she there were some shenanigans along the way. Like she, like what? well, she came back to my fucking house once to get stuff, ostensibly to you know. And I, because I, I kept saying, because she literally left all of her stuff, her grandmother's china. Like she just mm-hmm. bailed, walked away from life, and went to do whatever she was doing. I don't, I still don't know. Yeah. Um, but then she was. I kept saying, you got to come home and get the stuff, and you got to do this thing. And we want. We kind of maintained a friendship because then her parents got sick, and I was there for her mm-hmm. through her dad's illness. Um, but then it just got strange, you know. And and uh, and then she's wanted to come to my house to get stuff. She actually brought the cops. Um, and I know it was her family who made her do that because we had never had anything like that. Any sort Nothing of domestic. No, not at all. Like, yeah. No, we we had argued maybe, but I mean, and I can uh, you know if I fucking ratchet it up, I can yell and be kind of scary sometimes. But right. I mean, there was never anything domestic like that. But when she showed with the cops, they came to the door. I'm like, come on, seriously. And then she went through my house to get stuff. And you know what she took? She took my rice cooker <laughs> and my Monty Python DVDs. Like literally what she could carry. That's all she grabbed and she walked out with that. Right. Like left her all, all of her shit there. I mean, clothes, dude. Mm-hmm. It was like she just went, I'm fucking done and and bailed. And good, you know, good for her. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't hard at all. It was hard in the moment when it happened because it, it was, again, it was the day before the 20th anniversary. And we were, you know, we were still together and I had just, again, I'd never entertained any thoughts of bailing. I was just like, well, you know, this is just the way it is, even though I had obvious feelings for, for Jill. Right. Um, but I was like, well, you're married. This is what you do. You fix it, you know, because that's how I grew up, even though my, you know, and also probably because my parents were just, it was destroyed. I mean, they had a terrible, it was, you know, they divorced and there was domestic shit and all sorts of nonsense. Mm -hmm. My dad was a monster. So, uh, I didn't want to be that guy. 
So even though it was failing and it wasn't working at all, I figured I would stick around and try to make it work as best I could. Right. And uh, and then then I didn't have to worry about it. Right. She uh, she bailed with my rice cooker. And you really don't know what she's doing now. I truly don't. I haven't talked to her in three years. Last time I talked to her, she uh, I was <laughs> I was working, and I got a text telling me the electricity was going to be turned off that day because uh, it it was in both of our names. And she called them and I said I, I don't want my name on it. And then she she told them to turn it off. So she's like, you got an hour to, to switch it over in your name and I'm at work. I'm like, oh, fuck. Geez. So I got to call them and I got to make a deposit and all that nonsense. Um, the way it worked was like, you know, she walked away and I just, I let her go. I said, take whatever you need. She, we had a, we had her car that we were paying on. Mm-hmm. I sold it to her for a buck. Um, I said, just take it. I don't care. Even though, and, uh, and I took all the debt. I literally ate all the, all the debt. You know, we had 12 credit cards that we'd been running up because she wasn't working and neither was I. And so I just, I fell under the mountain of debt. Why? I felt I owed it to her. Why? Because I wasn't a great husband. You know, I still, even though I was married to her and I anticipated that we'd be together forever, I then became lax and just went, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Mm-hmm. So I'd go play poker. I'd go to the movies. I'd go to concert with my friends and I didn't care about anything she liked and I didn't care about anything she wanted. And I was, you know, we'd go out to eat or we'd go to a movie and we'd spend some time together. But we were just like kind of good friends who fucked and lived together. You know what I mean? It was, I was not a good husband at all. I didn't know what it meant to be one. So I, I don't, I don't blame her for leaving at all. I have a real, it's, this is going to sound like a very naive question, but Mm -hmm. to you, what is the difference between good friends who fuck and live together versus a good relationship? Cause sometimes I'm like, it's kind of the same thing. I I think ideally if you're married to the person that you love and you want to be good friends and you want to sleep with them, that's all the total package. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think we wound up just being together out of convenience after a while, mm-hmm. you know, and I, again, I was terrible. Like I didn't, you know, she'd want to go to the Getty or she'd want to go to museums or she'd want to go to painting. She'd want to go to seminars. She'd, and I didn't do a fucking thing she wanted to do. I mean, like never, I, I would, I would just go, nah, you know, and because I felt that letting her live that life by herself uh-huh. was enough, you know, do whatever you want. That's cool. Right. And then I'll do my stuff. That's cool. So like, it sounds like on a day to day individual basis, you had ceased connecting with her and trying to like add joy to her life and vice versa oh yeah yeah we were married and i just so like it's like you weren't really good friends who fucked you were just friends you were great familiar acquaintances who fucked uh i I guess yeah i mean i i just didn't i didn't you know um she wanted getting breast cancer Mm. when we first moved to california and uh you know, in the moment I thought I was dealing with it fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality I went on the road. Like I went and did stand up. I left her to do chemo by herself. Right. You know, I mean I I showed up a few times for her chemo. I was there for the surgery and things like that, and I thought that was enough. Yeah. Um, but I was I wasn't there emotionally and I wasn't there for her the way I should have been. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I I held this immense guilt and this great regret, and it'll flare up occasionally now mm-hmm. um because I don't I, I I was not a husband, I was not a man. I'm not even sure I know what what a man is. Seriously. <laughs> right. Um, so I was I was that blank space a lot of the time. I mean, you know, she went back to work. Mm-hmm. She literally like she was like, well, because I was pursuing stand up. I was pursuing the dream. Right. And uh, and she was like, well, you know, you might need to get a gig here while I'm doing this. And I'm kind of I kind of fought it. And I was like, well, you know, I'm close on a few things and I should do this. And she was like, OK. And she went back to work. She worked through chemo at her job. Wow. And uh, and I, you know. I thought I was being a hero by picking her up. You know what I mean? Like so fucking bad. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I was, a, I was a terrible husband. I know I was. 
do, and this is not me making a judgment or even suggesting this is the case. It's a genuine question. Do you feel like you pushed her away? Oh yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I pushed her away so much as I untied the rope and watched her boat sail into the fucking distance. I mean, I, 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 again, I just assumed when you're married, well, you're just together forever. Right. You ain't got to work on this. You don't have to do any of it. And I'm sure there were plenty of cries for help or things that she tried. You know, she, she did what I wanted. We'd go to the concerts of the bands I liked. We'd mm-hmm. go see baseball games because I loved baseball. And she'd, she loved baseball too, but I wasn't going because she liked it. I went because I wanted to go to the game. And I'm like, right. hey, you, you want to go? Why not? Because my friends couldn't go. Uh, like I said, I would go to concerts with my friends. Well, you're, you're <laughs> I did a Kickstarter for my tour. And, uh, as a goof, I was trying to raise like six grand and as, as a goof, you know, if you ever see, are you familiar with Kickstarter? Yeah. Okay. At the bottom, I said, you know, the final tier was $6,000. If you <laughs> wanted, if you wanted to cover the whole cost, right. I would drop what I was doing. I would come wherever you were and I would follow you around and be funny until you told me to go home. Like literally it was just, <laughs> just a goof. Right. Yeah. So, um, I wound up fulfilling the Kickstarter and I started to plan the tour and I got an email from a girl and she said, uh, is this serious? You know, cause I, you know, I, and I didn't think she was, she was like, Hey, if I sent you $6,000, cause I know that this Kickstarter ended, but if I send it, would you still do that? Mm. I thought no fucking way. Like never. So I didn't even answer the email. Right. Uh, so an, a, another like two weeks goes by and she writes me. She's like, I'm, I'm serious. If you would, if you're going, if you would like to do this, you know, my boyfriend loves your show and, and we would love to have you, I would like to contribute and stock us with your comedy essentially. (laughs) And so I said, well, yeah, if you're serious, you can PayPal me $6,000 and then tell me what you need. And, uh, the next day it was there. Wow. And, uh, she's like, I want you to come to New York for New Year's Eve. I want you to spend three days with us in New York at times square and whatever we want to do. We want you to hang out with us. And, uh, I was like, deal. I mean, and I said, I'll book my airfare and I'll book the hotel out of this money you gave. Don't even worry about it. I said, Mm -hmm. I'll take care of it. And, uh, my wife was like, that's amazing. We we should go. And I said, I'm going to go. Mm. I didn't take her. I didn't take her. What the fuck is wrong with you? Why I had six grand. Why didn't you? Because I'm an idiot. I well, literally, well, because in the moment I just thought, I even said to her, I go, this is work. Mm. How ridiculous is that? Was it that you didn't want to cut into the 6,000 or you just felt like you were, would be less, there's a lot of negatives in what I'm about to say. Okay. You'd be less unencumbered. You'd be unencumbered, encumbered. You'd be burdened with her. I think at that point I had just grown so used to doing whatever I wanted that I didn't even take her feelings or thoughts into consideration. Did you enjoy her company? I did. You know, that's the thing is like, I, I, I get that. <laughs> I get that from what you're saying. <laughs> we, we clicked. Oh my God. I loved being with her when she did all the shit I wanted to do. Um, I, I, yeah, she's, she's a good person. Mm-hmm. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't bad and I don't hold any animosity or ill will. I don't blame her at all right. for taking off. Um, you know, cause I would tell stories on my show and I would get worked up about the fact she turned my electricity off. Or she took my shit or she fucking bailed on me the day she left. Cause again, I did a show the next day on my anniversary date mm-hmm. and I was fucking sobbing. Like it was ridiculous. Right. Um, because I felt it so hard. I was crushed and I, because I had failed. I yeah. felt, I took it as a, per, it was a terrible personal failure. Right. Um, but, but that's, you know, that was that. And then, and then over time it, it changed and, uh, but I, I don't blame her for what she did. And again, I don't hold any ill will. I hope she's happy wherever she is. I don't, I have no idea. I'm just so, I'm intrigued by your decision process to n- not take her to New York. Um, not like it's an obvious that you would, but I'm just wondering, do you remember more specifically what your thoughts were about why you didn't want to take her? Uh, well, first of all, it is obvious that you would, in my opinion, you're saying it's not so obvious that you would bullshit. I think you should. I mean, yeah. I literally someone gave me $6,000. I, why couldn't I take, I, cause I never, 
we went to Hawaii once. Like I never took her on vacations. We right. were together all the time. Um, she worked. She was the breadwinner for a lot of the time. Well, I was up fucking around and doing stand up until I got writing gigs and stuff, and then I made good money. Right. Um, but in the beginning, you know, she was there, and I was I was going to open mics, and she mm-hmm. was taking temp gigs, and then getting jobs, and working and working hard. Right. Um, so that would have been a nice if if there was anything left between us, I should have absolutely brought her. Mm-hmm. But I was so used to doing the thing that I wanted to do. And and I don't even again I didn't do anything I sat in the hotel room when I wasn't with them it's not like I went and partied all over New York and did right. a bunch of shit I was well I, the Seth and Brandy was the couple's name and they wanted to do this they wanted to go see the Cake Boss's house or the, his <laughs> his little thing and so I went there I took them to Tom Colicchio's craft and we went all over the place and uh-huh. did stuff and I paid for dinner and I paid for stuff I gave them a bunch of merch and I had a great time but um I didn't do it's not like I did anything on my own right. without them. And it would have been very easy to it's bring a double date. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so when I think about it now, I just laugh because I'm like, you are a jag off. I mean, how did you not even just in the in the abstract? If someone looked at that, they just go, you're a terrible person. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was a terrible thing to do. There's no doubt. And now a selfish question. Yes. In the end, was it. Did you feel like it was an easy 6,000 or like, did you really work for that 6,000? I didn't work at all. Really? That was me. I got to be me and hang out. I, I thought, like, I really thought they were going to put me through my paces or whatever. Mm-hmm. I went and we went to Ellis Island. I saw Statue of Liberty because I, I, I had been like in New York. You had a vacation with fun people, right? People I, like you, exactly. I and that's it. They worshipped me. They they were people who were just like sat there and just adored me for three days and gave me six thousand dollars for the privilege. It. I'm starting a Kickstarter. I, I'm. <laughs> You're gonna have to go a little higher than six thousand, but still. Well, certainly, I can't blame you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was really it wasn't work at all. I mean, I would have done it for free if I, right. if I, if they because now people come to L.A. and they're like, "Are you around?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And I'll go have dinner with listeners. I mean, I be or, or friends, I like to call them, and or I'll go to a town. Like I was in Phoenix. Jill and I went to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. We just had a great time. And a listener named Justin is like, "If you're gonna be here, you know, my wife and I'd love to meet you." And yeah, cool, let's do it. So we went to dinner with them. You know, I went and did a show in Pittsburgh, and afterwards, it's me and Jill and everybody from the show, and mm-hmm. we're in a restaurant just talking and taking selfies and photos and hanging out and having a good time. When you perform live, is it um, typically podcast listeners who come to your shows or like where, where do you feel like people know of you from? Podcast listeners completely. Uh, nobody knows me otherwise. Okay. Nobody knows me. It's my own fault. I've, I've, uh, they haven't seen it, Asylum. <laughs> that's a good reason to stay away. <laughs> um, you know, no, it's the podcast. I mean, that's, that is literally the saving grace of whatever career I might have at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I started out on another show and, and had never not funny. Right? I was on never not funny for you a year. You co-hosted, right? With, some, or some sidekick people, or yeah, I was on the show. I was part of the gang. Okay. I was told. <laughs> was it, it was you and Jimmy and was it another person? It was Jimmy's point? show. Okay. And okay. then it was me and Matt Belknap. Gotcha. Matt Matt was the producer, and it was Jimmy. And the first show was supposed to be Jimmy's friend Pat Francis. Oh yeah. And then Pat wound up getting sick, and they called me and they said, "Hey, can you come in?" Because me, Jimmy, and Pat were great friends, mm-hmm. and we had really good chemistry together. So he's like, "Well, you want to come in and do this thing?" And I said, "Sure." So I showed up, and it went great. The first episode, and Jimmy's kind of like, "That went really good. You want to come back next week?" And I said, "Sure." And I did it for fifty-eight weeks. Mm. Um, and can I ask what happened? Uh, I was asked to not come back for the 59th week. Um, we had kind of, uh, we, I have experience with that. (laughs) You might know. I do. I'm aware of that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, yeah. I, uh, Jimmy and I had had talks during the run. I was starting to assert myself a little too much Mm -hmm. on the air and, uh, and I don't blame him. He's absolutely right. Because 
I was happy to be this guy who lobbed in funny from the distance. Like it's it's harder to host, as you know, mm-hmm. um, because you uh, you are coordinating Spinning everything. Spinning plates. Yeah, yeah, you're the traffic cop, but also you've got to be funny and entertaining. Mama, the easy I don't, job. But I'm burning myself with that. <laughs> <laughs> the, but I hear that people do it. Yeah, that's the that's what people do. So <laughs> I I the easy thing is to sit and be the third guy who just gets to throw in bombs. Right, you know right. what I mean? You're just in the grassy knoll throwing stuff. It's it's awesome. Yeah. So people got to know me as that guy because you know I'm kind of quick and funny, and Jimmy and I had really good chemistry and. Mm-hmm. And I mean, really good. Like to this day, I haven't seen him in eight months. We can sit at lunch and we'll finish everybody's sentences and have fun and laugh our balls off. So, um, but I was starting to tell longer stories, like mm-hmm. longer form stuff and almost grab more. I wasn't making it a conversation. I was planting a flag. You were doing what you wanted. Essentially. Yeah. And he and I had talks about it. Wait, you were planting a flag. Were you purposefully being like, I'm, I'm going to shine you guys. No, no, no you no, just no. were more, more and more comfortable. Well, because I wasn't aware I was doing it. Oh, like, interesting. it's so weird because I, when I was doing stand up as a stand up, Jimmy would take me on the road and I would, I worked almost exclusively topical. Like I never talked about my life at all. Nobody knew a fucking thing about me because I, you know, I was a huge fat guy. So of course everybody expected me to talk about being a huge fat guy. Right. How much um, did you weigh? I weighed 500 pounds at one point. Wow. Like 507 was the highest I got before I had the, the surgery. Oh, thing. you had lap band surgery. Yeah. No, I had the gastric bypass. That's what I'm. Wait. Oh, okay. Lap band is like they put a thing temporary gastric. They can take it off. Gastric bypass is where they take your um, mouth and attach to your anus. Essentially, they do. (laughs) (laughs) They go in and they uh, they basically put like an old petticoat around your your gullet, and so you can't swallow as much. And they could take it off if they wanted. Right. But I got the one where they literally cut your throat off and then they attach it to your gut. Like they they they. They circumvent the stomach. Yeah, and they make it real tiny. They they just this tiny pouch stomach. So I had that. Um, and so I, cause I was huge, man. I was mm-hmm. a big dude. So when we'd go on the road, people would expect, of course, everybody expects that, but I wanted, I wrote topical, sharp, funny jokes. Right. So I never talked about my life. So then I'm never not funny. You know, I'm, I start talking about me and my, and you know, I've had a life just like you've had a life. Everyone has their stories and experiences. Mm-hmm. And so I would start to talk about them and it was all funny when we would all get into it. But then I would kind of start to chew up a little more airtime and go in a little more detail and, right. uh, and you know, we would talk about it. Jimmy would go, Hey, you know, that's not the show is, you know, we, we're all, it's a conversation and we're all in it and you're kind of, you're, you're starting to push a little here and you're taking too much. And, and also I'm kind of a moody dude sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I would, he told me, he's like, you're a black cloud dude. Like you'll walk in sometimes and we just know from the look on your face that we got to all walk on eggshells around you for a while. Oh. And, uh, and so just the work dynamic and our, and our friendship hurt, we're hurt by it completely. Right. And, and when so, he said these things to you, did that make sense to you? Um, not uh, yes and no. Like, did you t- did you take the notes? Yeah, or were you but hurt by them. I was hurt by them uh, yeah. because I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. You know, I thought I'm like, no, I'm being funny. This is funny, and we're all funny. But in reality, I wasn't being sharing funny. You know, and I, I might I may have been right. You know, it's, it was Jimmy Pardo's show, uh-huh. and then I would start telling these long stories about my family, and and Jimmy would lob in, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he's lobbing in stuff while right. I'm talking, and that's not the fucking dynamic. Yeah, you know, he's the host, and he runs the gig, and you got to do a lot to to put Jimmy Pardo's personality on lockdown i mean he is a huge enormous funniest guy in the world type of personality mm-hmm. so if i'm sucking all of the air out of, out of a room you know i'm not i'm doing a disservice to the show and to him right uh, because he's people are and also people are tuning in to hear fucking jimmy he's a genius so for me to assert myself in that way was not fair mm-hmm. and uh but you weren't aware you were doing oh it. no no I, I just thought i was being funny and me and and uh i yeah. was enjoying it i was having a good time because i was getting laughs and i'm funny right but in reality you're we're all sharing here you gotta and you're not it's not mike schmidt's show yeah it's tough i mean per, something like performance it can be so nebulous and amorphous that it's like 
that note of this is a little bit too much is I think can be confusing in the moment because you're like, well, I don't, I don't know where the sweet spot is anymore. Right. Because I also don't want to be meek. Oh, sure. You know what I'm, yeah, it can be confusing. Well, I did, I I was not aware, I was not a very self-aware person. Mm -hmm. Like I was self-aware in that I would know that I was saying, I would talk too much and I would know, like off stage, I I would meet people and I'd be talking and I'd be talking and then I'd go, and I'm going to shut up now because I can't, I'm, I'm talking way too much. Uh And real people would go, oh my God, he totally knows. Like, how did you know that was happening? (laughs) Um, but on on the show, I, like I wasn't self aware as a person. Right. So one time I said on the air, I, I think it was on the air, it might have been off the air, and I said, "Well, I'm an easygoing guy," <laughs> and Jimmy just blurt laughed like in my face, and he goes, "You are the least easygoing person I've ever met in my life." <laughs> I said, "What do you mean?" I, I go, "Dude, I I get along to get," and he's like, "No, you do not, man. You do you ups- I mean, I, and again, I so now though. As I'm far removed from it nine years later, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's me. I mean, I, I'll yell at a sink. I mean, I'm like an idiot. So I, and I try, I'm trying to change it now and trying to do what I can to manage it. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I was not self aware at all. So I was, I didn't know what I was doing. So, and when you would show up like a, a dark cloud and they had to walk on eggshells, was it because you would snap at them? Or like, what was the walking on eggshells about? Well, he told me, well, I mean, he said that that was in real life too. It wasn't just for the podcast. He goes, mm-hmm. you'll come into poker, dude. And like the whole room will get quiet because they can see what you're, you know, cause I'll, my mom fumes. Mm-hmm. You can just see it. You can just, she just gets this grim face and she's like, you know, that thing. Right. And I guess I have it. Um, and, and I know it now a lot more than I did. Right. But, uh, but I just, I, again, in the context of my marriage, no, that's just me, man. Deal with it. You know, that's just who I am. Deal with it. Right. And so it would be like with poker. My friends, hey, man, deal with it. Well, eventually your friends are like, hey, get the fuck out of here, man. We're here to yeah. have a good time and right. nobody wants to watch you brood. You know, you yeah. don't, we didn't ask James Dean to come play fucking poker. Get out of here. <laughs> um, and were you brooding in an angry way or sad about something or do you know? Well, I'm learning more about myself and learning that it's uh, it's not sad. It's I'm angry. I'm angry at myself. Uh, I don't make anywhere near the effort I should to do the things that I'm supposed to do. And I'm frustrated with where I've wound up, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I don't try. I have no work ethic. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, all the things I've been lucky enough to get, I've just gotten. Right. Like, I, I wouldn't even say that I've worked for them. They just showed up because people are like, dude, that you're talented and funny. Why don't you do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I, I would wind up doing them. Then afterwards, I'd be like, okay, who's going to give me something else now? You know, instead of trying to go get it. Right. And so I'm even in that. I, like, I, I don't like to show my work at all fuck algebra i you know i know x equals seven and i don't need to show you nine steps why that's it i just i just you should and it's just one of the things you. sure and it's hurting me in stand-up now because I've, I've divorced myself from doing more stand-up and i i've become like you said podcast people come to see me mm-hmm. well they expect me and they know who i am so that takes out all the hard part of stand-up right. where you, you have, have to, to do the discipline of writing jokes exactly you can just talk exactly and that's wrong. You can't do that because mm-hmm. if I want to grow my audience further from the people who listen to the podcast, then I need to have discipline and work and do the shit I used to do when I worked the road and I wrote bits every night and I had a micro cassette recorder and I didn't just rely on the fact that I can talk about a sink for 20 minutes and everybody will laugh because they know me already. Right. Yeah, right. So I'm fighting that fight now. Let's talk about um, the surgery, if you don't mind. I know that when I last talked to you, um, you talked about i think your thing was those trader joe's uh like chocolate or yogurt covered fruit pieces right yeah it was it was chocolate covered candy yes um but it was fruit it was chocolate covered fruit and it had apricots cherries 
and it had uh, strawberries and blueberries. Mm-hmm. And I would I turned it into a game because it was like the, you know they were all mixed in one container, but I didn't like the apricots, so I would buy like three containers and then I would separate them into white, blue, red, and orange. That's an easygoing thing to do. <laughs> And I would put the orange in their own container and then I would divide the the blue, red and, and white into equal numbers and put them in the other containers. Did you and now you didn't ever go back for the orange? Uh, well, you know what? Only in desperate, desperation, <laughs> right. only in desperate times. Um, I want, I used to just throw them out and then I wound up giving them, you know, just give them to my neighbors. I go here, eat these one time. Cause they came in this, you know, it was this little container. It was almost mm. like a pound. Yeah. Well, one time on Facebook, I put a picture of all of them that I had in my cabinet <laughs> at the time and people wrote and they go, you are, you have a problem. Cause I had easily, you know, five pounds of chocolate covered apricots that I wasn't going to eat. And they were in a break glass of necessary fucking cabinet. What? specifically is the problem there though is the problem you have a problem you eat too many of the other flavors or is it you have a problem you dislike this one too much i didn't like the apricot it was too sweet yeah like it, it, for some reason even the chocolate itself was too sweet but the strawberry the blueberry and the and the cherry you know, cherry is naturally tart right and the strawberry had just enough sweetness and then the, the blueberries were fucking blueberries they were harmless and they have antioxidants. They're very healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's basically a health food uh okay so I'm just you were you weren't you seem like, puzzled by a lot of the things I'm saying, Allison. No, that's just me. I see. <laughs> <laughs> that's my quizzical face. Um, you, I'm trying to think. When I met you, were you? I don't think you were 500 pounds then. No, I I had had the I was thin, uh, not thin, but for me thin. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did Adam's show with you, uh, it was funny because that was the that was the thing he locked onto because the again, yeah, oh yeah, that, and that's what, basically what we talked about the entire time. Yeah, uh, Marin did the same thing when I did Mark's show, um, because it's you know it's unique, it's so different and such an odd thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had had the surgery by then, and I was in the middle, and we talked about like complications and things that had happened from. Oh it. right, dumping. Yeah, that came now up. it all now it all comes back. Well, that's where my brain always goes. Sure. Well, it won the story of the year or something on the the Corolla Adam the year end awards. <laughs> I remember getting all so that was. Accurate accolades from everybody well god if everyone else has talked about the weight stuff then i don't want to go no, down that i didn't road. mean it like that no truly. no i know let's <laughs> just go down a little bit had you always been overweight growing up i was a big dude um you know in school i was eh, probably 240 mm-hmm. 230 um i didn't start to get really big until i moved out here and then it was because and again because i was married and i was settled and i was here and like all right well and then i had somebody cooking for me all the goddamn time right. and i was like all right and so i just i want up eating and it was uh and it just got ahead of me and it got away from me. And I and it was funny. I never... Does it run in your family? Nah. My mom was big, but not like that. Nobody mm-hmm. was 500. I mean, you know, my brother Glenn just went over three and then he just lost 90 pounds. So he's doing good. We were all big kids because my right. dad was like 6'4", 230. Uh-huh. Um, but I never... You know, I just didn't... Uh, I, I didn't get out of control with health. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky that I didn't get diabetes. I right. didn't I didn't have any sort of he- physical complications. I would go for a physical and they'd, I, my blood pressure was good. My cholesterol was fine. They'd say, you're just 280 pounds overweight, mm-hmm. you know, which is- Were they surprised that your blood pressure was good stunned, and your cholesterol? Stunned. Yeah. Doctors would be shocked. They would just, they were just like, I can't believe that, because I would- Because you would think it would be taking a toll. Well, because I would still play like Sandlot football or I'd play softball and I, mean, I still exercised so and stuff. Active, yeah. yeah, I liked it. It's just, I, I also liked eating a hell of a lot more mm-hmm. and also sat on my ass the rest of the time. I didn't do a goddamn thing. Right. So that'll get away from you, you know? And uh, the, there, there were turning points where I went, I've got to fix this. Mm-hmm. You know, one time I was on stage in El Paso, Texas. And uh, I was sweating 
and I had, I had bought a new shirt. I had, dude, I was wearing sweatpants at that fucking point on stage, which is grim. It's a, I don't, I, and I said, I will never wear sweatpants again after <laughs> I lost the weight because it was just so terrible, but I was sweating and, uh, and I had a new t-shirt on and it kept rolling down. It was wicking off of me. Mm-hmm. And so I kept, as I was talking, I had to go hit myself <laughs> to tap sweat into my shirt because right. it kept rolling down. Uh-huh. So I'd be doing jokes and hitting myself in the chest like an <laughs> idiot. And uh, I, so I finish, I go backstage and uh, Jimmy goes on stage. I was called him shooter. Jimmy goes on stage and he comes in the green room and he's like, did you spill water? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, there's like a puddle like all over the stage. I go, that's me. Mm. He's like, what? I go, that's sweat. I was like dripping all over the stage. He goes, dude, that's not good. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. Um, that and then one time I tore uh, my meniscus walking upstairs. Mm. Uh, and that was where I was like, all right, this is bad. You know, where because again, it was just, I didn't have any real overt health crises from it other than the fact that I was a house. Right. You know? So, but those were the turning points that made me decide to get the surgery. And then I scheduled it once. And then had to cancel because I got a writing job and it would have coincided with the surgery date. And I was like, well, fuck, I'm not. It was the first ever job I got writing on a show. What was it? Uh, it was a show called Funny Money on the Game Show Network. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, they, the pay was going to be ridiculous. And it was finally, finally something had happened, which was going to be great. And I was excited and I had earned it, you know, so that made me happy. And it just, I just canceled the surgery. I was like, well, I'm not doing this. Yeah. So I um, wound up just working the gig. So, uh, and then I wound up rescheduling the surgery in 2005. Were you scared? Never. Not not once. It was the best, smartest thing I ever did. Do you wish you'd done it sooner? Probably, yeah. But I mean, but at the same time, when I did it in two thousand five, I was what was I six seven three? I was thirty eight. Mm-hmm. So, and what I said to myself was, I was like, dude, you've done everything, anything you've wanted to do. You've basically just abused yourself in a way where you just ate and ate and ate, and you never thought about it. Time to pay the check was the mm-hmm. way I looked at it. Because there were all sorts of people saying, you know, this is scary, or you're going to do this, or you could possibly be crippled. And, and I was like, I don't care. I could possibly be crippled now. Had you had had you tried tons of various other diets? No. You just went straight to sur- the surgery? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't any sort of like, oh my God, I have to eat these calories, right? One time I tried that stupid uh, maple syrup pepper cleanse oh, the, yeah, that cayenne pepper lemon juice beyonce drink yeah and uh and i put in too much cayenne so when i drank <laughs> oh, it dude i drank it and i was i couldn't talk i was like oh, oh. Oh. And, that, and that was it i was like the hell with it i ate a pint of ice cream to cool it off and i was fine <laughs> <laughs> i had to keep a food journal it's funny when you do that surgery cause right because you have to like prove the exactly need Right. They make you go through a psych test. So they ask you, and it was funny. They asked all the, there's like 180 questions. And one of them is like, have you ever contemplated suicide? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. And so they get in there. And of course that's a red flag. They're like, oh my God, are you okay? And I'm like, well, dude, who hasn't at 13 gone one day I'm going to die and you're all going to be sad and maybe I'll do it now. And who's going to come to my wake? And you know, I didn't mean it in a way where I was actively carrying fucking razors. It was just a thing where I was like, well, you know, this, you know, I was trying to be as honest as I possibly could on the test. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, fat people lie, dude. They just do. So you go, I go into these meetings where they're trying to prep everybody for the surgery and they're all negotiating and mewling over, can I still have cream in my coffee or can I still drink whole milk? And I'm like, what the fuck are you even in this room for, man? You know, look at you. You can't even stand up. Your shoes are screaming out in terror. I mean, I just <laughs> don't understand why you're here negotiating over bits and pieces of what you can do after the surgery. Right. And those people weren't mentally ready to get it done. I was like, change me, fucking whack me out. I don't care. Let's do this. I was excited. And it's still the best thing I ever did. If anybody ever asked me, an overweight person, I would. Uh, women are different because they have more health crises when they get it done, mm-hmm. gallbladder stuff, and a lot of things like that. But if you're a dude, and if you're he- relatively healthy now, and you haven't tipped over into the whole walking with a cane, and dude, get it done. Just do it. Don't even think twice. It's great. And then just got to put in the work afterwards, though. 
It's interesting. It seems like you have a little bit of derision for overweight people. Not so, I, that's incorrect. I, I guess certain people. It's not fat people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, sh- I shouldn't go ahead and say that because I was a huge fat person, but I also owned it. Mm-hmm. You have to have some sort of personal responsibility. I guess it's more about people who don't recognize the situation they've put themselves in. Mm-hmm. People are like, it's hereditary or I have big bones. And I'm, sur- I'm sure there are some people like that. Absolutely. But a lot of times people become infantilized by the fact that they have really given their lives over to an addiction to food mm-hmm. and and they'll say things like well you need food to stay alive you need it's it's the hardest thing to kick and yes it is but you know you can eat in moderation you know you yeah. like as i took i kept a food journal dude before i went and got the surgery they were like write down everything you ate for a week oh my christ my pen ran out of ink it was horrifying <laughs> i one time i ate like two pounds of spaghetti like i just i ate it and then that night i had a ben and jerry's pint of ben and jerry's and like a half a loaf of garlic bread dude for fucking breakfast i would eat a box of fruity pebbles with four Pop-Tarts, I would pour half a box in a mixing bowl, and then I would eat it, and then I would eat two Pop-Tarts, and then I would pour the rest of the box in the mixing bowl, and I would eat two more Pop-Tarts with it. I'd drink a fucking gallon of milk in a what day. What size spoon? Like a ladle? Tablespoon. Or? No, I'm really? not a monster. What do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> Tablespoon. See, people will say things like, you got to put fuel in your car, mm-hmm. meaning you have to eat. Um, and then I always say, and I'm not healthy when it comes to body and weight and food and all that shit. So, but I feel like no women, like all women are pretty fucked up when it comes to that whole area. But I feel like I'm especially fucked up. But anyway, my thing is like, I will then grip my thighs and be like, this is my fuel. Like fat is stored fuel actually. So when I'm 90 pounds, then I understand the need to put gas in my car. And by the way, I say all that, but it's not like I never eat or anything, but I'm just saying this thing of like, you have to eat every single day. Sort of, you sort of do, but someone who's got weight on them in a famine will probably last longer because they have more to burn, right? That's what I think. Is there a coming famine, Allison? There I could be. I, don't I mean, know I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Thank God you've got all your water. And your thighs. <laughs> That's right. It's perfect. We're good. If it hits it while we're here, we're, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And because that's what I mean when I say that people will say things like, it's the hardest thing to stop. You mm-hmm. have to eat. Well, yes, but you can eat a chicken breast and some broccoli. Right. You know, one of the most liberating things I ever did after the surgery was I stopped eating everything on my plate. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but I just was that guy. And it wasn't like my mom was ever, you know, you must finish all your mm-hmm. food. It was just a thing I did because of my weird OCD of separating candy and shit. Well, I also couldn't leave stuff on a plate. Um, but now if I don't want something, I don't have to eat it. You know what I mean? I also gave up soda too. Like it's with the, with the propel. Like I just bailed on soda. Cause I would drink, I drink so much soda. I would get the shakes in the morning when I would wake up if I didn't have any, like wow. I like coffee. I had to drink a Coke right away. And I'm not even joking. The shakes, like my hands would shake if I didn't have soda. I mean, I could drink a case of soda in a day and a half, but you gave up propel. You said? No, no, no. When I'm saying oh, that's that was when the you switch. Started using yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave up because once you you have to start making healthier decisions after the surgery, mm-hmm. and I was ready. That's what I'm saying. I didn't I didn't want to eat after the surgery. Like I had fruit cup and a scallop. I'm like done. Let's do this. Let's run our <laughs> fucking road race. So I literally I started to walk like right when I got home from the hospital, and I, I liked physical activity anyway. That's the thing is I I started to train mixed martial arts, so I really dug that because I like violence. So <laughs> and I would I would literally walk around my neighborhood with a <laughs> disc man around my neck on a lanyard like an Olympic metal and wow. earbuds in and i would just walk i would and i would walk and walk until i just didn't want to walk anymore mm-hmm. i'd be sweaty and one time i fell and these poor kids come on skateboards oh. are you okay mister and i'm like oh <laughs> christ but 
but I loved it. I mean, I, 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 did, I really like physical activity. I like doing it. So I was into it. I was, I was happy. And I, and I said I had gotten myself in that situation. Time to pay the check. Were you hungry? Are you hungry when you've had the surgery? Um, no, I never was in the beginning. That's what I'm saying. And I, 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 that's why I said literally I would eat fruit cups and a, and a scallop or whatever. I ate small. So because your stomach is so small, you get full. Oh is yeah. That how, yeah. You're not supposed to drink when you eat. Like they tell you, you don't, don't drink water because you need to consume enough food to have enough protein. Cause they're like, your hair is going to fall out because you're, you're going to stop eating protein. Your hair is going to thin. Your whole skin might change. So you need to manage yourself in a way, uh, where you're getting enough nutrition and vitamins. You need to start taking a one a day vitamin all mm-hmm. the time. You know, it's weird. I like, I can't take, uh, Advil. I can't take ibuprofen. Why? Uh, I'll bleed out because of, of the, yeah, yeah, my stomach is not a real stomach. Mm -hmm. So like if it gets in there, it'll cause something in there. It's like too much. Exactly. Acidic or something. I mean, I used to have like real bad acid reflux when I was fat. Like Uh. I, I, cause I would eat and I I would sleep sitting up like in bed kind of. Um, and I would take two acts a day or a night. You're supposed to take one like a week. Cause it's a bad thing for your liver. Dude, I would take two a night mm-hmm. and I would still wake up with acid and I'm, and that's the worst dude. There's nothing worse than acid in your throat. Cause then I'm just, I, I would have to eat toothpaste just to feel Ooh. better. Yeah, dude, it was grim. So I mean, I, yeah, you, and you start going through that shit and you're like, what am I doing, man? So then people are like, Oh, is the surgery scary? No, man, I'm, I got a bunch of bad shit happening. So I mean, if anything, and I haven't had acid reflux since like it's gone, Right. it's beautiful. I can sleep laying down. I mean, it's just, it's, and I'm still heavy, you know, um, I've gone back and forth, back and forth. I've lost 120 pounds twice more since I had the surgery. So 120 pounds twice and then 120 pounds, 240 or 120 I, I, and gained and then hundred. The best ever was I, I was really starting to work. I mean, I was, like I said, I was doing mixed martial arts three times a week and then lifting the other days um, and running like three, four miles a day, you know, three times a week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I got down to like 262 and I had 18% body fat. Like I mean, wow. I was an animal. I was, yeah. I, I dug it. And then the money ran out. Uh, that was when I was writing and I was making really good money mm-hmm. and I was able to pay for a trainer and I was able to pay for a gym. Well, I, I also need somebody to shout at me. I mean, I, I need somebody to be there. I'm not good at the, Hey, I'll get up and go lift by myself. I mean, <laughs> right. I'm just terrible at it. So when the money ran out, then, uh, you know, well, I had money to buy candy and I just, and so I would sit at my, I got back up to three forty. And then I went, what are you doing? And I actually wrote mm-hmm. a blog thing once where I was like, this is it. Fuck this. I'm changing this again. And then I wound up, I met a trainer who, who really, you know, he really took an interest in me. I've gone back and forth, back and forth. You know, I was down to 254 last year. I lost like 95 pounds and I'm back up around 295. Is it to put weight on after you've had the surgery? Is it like you, is it hard to put weight on or is it, uh, this question is all over the place it, or, or is it still hard to lose weight? Do you get what I'm asking? Sure. No, it's not, it's not hard to lose weight. If I stopped eating candy and I did more cardio, I'd go so back down to 250. So you're kind of going out of your, it's like you were going out of your way to thwart oh, yeah. what the surgery. Okay. Yeah, it's foolish. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't eat fast food, mm-hmm. um, and I, but I eat candy. That's the, that's the thing. And not that candy from Trader Joe's anymore. I've, I've moved back into the garbage candy of my youth. I eat Hershey bars. Can uh, you eat a whole Hershey bar? Oh, I can, I can eat a lot of stuff now because my stomach is stretched out. I had the surgery in 2005, so oh. we're looking at, you know, 11 years ago. So I it's not normal size yet. I like I can eat a meal. I just have to eat slowly. You know what right. I mean? So like I can eat pizza. It's just but I can eat two pieces rather than before I used to eat a large pizza. Mm-hmm. Um but with candy, like the the worst thing I ever fucking did was uh they always tell you try everything. After your surgery, try everything cuz you know, you maybe you won't be able to eat pears anymore. You know, but give them a shot. What the hell? See what happens. And there was this thing called sugar dumping where like if you eat candy or you eat sweets, 
because your stomach doesn't process it. The sugar almost goes like right into your bloodstream to mm. get the fucking spins. So I was like, well, I'm never eating candy then. I don't want any of it. I don't want any sweets. And I was eating fruit and I was fine and I was working. I was great. And then I went to a birthday party uh, with a friend of mine and he got a cake at Ruth's Chris. He got a chocolate mm-hmm. fudge death volcano nonsense cake. <laughs> and uh, he's like, hey, have some. And I'm like, nah, you know, it's not my thing. And he's like, no, do it. Just try it. And in my head, I'm like, what is he doing? Uh, well, because people do that. Yeah, they don't, you know, know, and they don't think. You got to put fuel in the car. <laughs> Chocolate heavy fuel. You don't want to go into starvation mode. Yeah. Oh, fuck all of You'll you. be devouring your own body. Oh, yeah. shut the fuck up. You don't want to burn muscle. <laughs> Dude, I hear that one all the time, too. It's yeah. ridiculous. Breakfast is the most important. Well, that one, there might be some treats, too. I don't know. I don't know. You got, we got a computer. Let's look it up. <laughs> um, so I wound up trying his cake and I, nothing happened. Uh, I was fine. Mm. which then went oh well that's okay well then i can have a couple of those and that was a in a couple of cakes or a couple of bites no, no, a couple of bites and then that <laughs> was in like january and yeah. then valentine's day came and i was in walgreens and they had nestle's crunch hearts and i'm like well, i'll get some of those and then i, I was eating a bag at night i was mm. back i just dove right back into so like it. sugar is that's your addiction oh yeah like i wasn't eating any and i wasn't eating food like crazy amounts of food right. anymore but just i would eat sugar. sugar and that's how i got back up to 340 and eating oh. those like those candies the color the chocolate covered fruit mm-hmm. and then last year i did the thing where i was like well eating is for the week that's it i'm fucking done and so i was eating like one real meal every two days but i eat yogurt i eat like three or four yogurts and bananas and oatmeal and you know i healthy good stuff but, but also only one every two days yeah, my well, trainer was pissed at me he's like dude you got to eat food like you gotta put fuel in the car <laughs> that's what you gotta do uh i said but look at these thighs i know <laughs> but so i i he's he convinced me i gotta eat eggs i gotta do you know all that stuff and stuff that i was like oh, i shouldn't be eating this stuff and he's like no dude that's i'd rather you ate a pizza than ate uh, two giant candy bars you know what i mean right. and by giant i mean giant like i mean I'm not buying those, you know, those big block Hershey's that you see at the, at the, like the counter. No, you mm. got to go in the back in the aisle. Oh, and like, you got, the, like for baking? I call it a license. Pretty much. Yeah. I call it a license plate of chocolate. It's right. a seven ounce Hershey bar. And I would buy four of those and I'd eat like one or two a day and all the time. But not, I'm fascinated by the part where you're like eating is for the week. Cause I've had that thought too. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then you only ate one meal every couple of days. It was great. Were you losing weight? I lost 95 pounds. Doing that. In, in, um, uh, eight months. What were you doing in between the meals? Nothing. Um, I was eating, I would eat yogurt. Okay. Oh, when I say, okay. when I say one real meal every couple of days, uh, at the time I was working at a restaurant, so I would get uh chicken breast, spinach, rice, and, uh, and you know, like maybe, maybe a couple of ribs or, you know, I would eat one real meal that was your meal. every restaurant? couple of days, uh, baby blues barbecue mm-hmm. and it's amazing food, you know, and they'd okra, you just eat. So I would eat that, but then I would eat three, four yogurts, Chobani's or, or, or Faye's uh, a day. Uh-huh. And then I'd eat bananas or whatever. Right. Um, and then I would lift and I would run. And, and your trainer got mad at you for doing Oh, this. yeah. He's like, you got to eat, dude. Because I was still, because I'd still eat candy. I'd eat a candy bar. He's like, why are you eating a candy bar? Have an egg. Have so a hard boiled egg. you still eat the candy in the midst of this. Only. No, I oh. kicked it for the, for the eating for the week. I'm saying, I, for the eating for the eating for the week, I kicked candy. And was your trainer upset with you during eating as yes. for the week? He's because like, dude, you weren't eating enough. Yeah, you got to eat every day. You got to eat something every day. Right. You, you, even if you eat like a hard boiled egg and a bowl of oatmeal or whatever you do, because I would, I would get, you know, I'd buy like a, a salad and then I'd put a whole Persian cucumber in it and a bunch of blueberries and then a mm-hmm. big two big chicken breasts and I'd eat that, but then I wouldn't eat for another day and a half. He's like, you can't do that. You can't. And I'm like, well, uh, I feel mirror, like you can. The mirror would absolutely argue <laughs> right. with you because I look See, fucking great. I've, I've got anger over, I. I've allowed myself to listen to people who are like, you got to put fuel in the car. You got to be eating this many calories. You got to this. And it's like, I was losing weight before I listened to you. And then the weight stalled or I gained weight. Fuck you. Yeah. 
Exactly. And you I have be, issues. But, well, we all do, yeah. don't we all? I'm separating fucking candy into pies. <laughs> <laughs> so I I just wound up doing it, and it was it was really great. And I but now I keep trying to tell myself, well, you should go back to it because again, I got down to that's when I got down to two fifty four, and I looked really. I like right. I, I had I had cheekbones and a jawline, and was like, well, how you doing? Mm. Uh, but then you know I I dove back in, and Jill and I, you know, we I like relaxing with my girlfriend, and we'll have candy or whatever. I've got. And she's like, I never ate chocolate till I met you. I mean, now I do this oh. thing because it's sad. <laughs> Dude, I'm in her. Well, she's five feet tall and she weighs 98 pounds wow. and doesn't gain a fucking thing ever. Oh, at all. Uh-huh. She's amazing. No wonder you love her. So gorgeous. And uh, so we'll be at her house and like she has weird hours for her her work. She'll mm-hmm. work 12 hour shifts. Right, and she her has secret to- government insurance <laughs> paper job. So she has to work for her two cubicles. That's how she keeps the weight off. Yeah. Just back and forth. Yeah. (laughs) Got the heels on. So she works um, at four in the morning. So our hours are a little disparate. So I'll, I'll lay on the couch or sit on the couch and she'll lay across me and I'll just, you know, she'll sleep and I make what I call headquarters. I'll literally have a bowl of Oreos and a bowl of like chocolate bars and then like four liters of water. And so I don't have to get up and disturb her while she sleeps. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I'm doing a good thing for her. It's not like I'm, you know, a fat slob who can't get up. Um, but yeah, so and I tell John that and he just shakes his head, my trainer. He's just mm-hmm. like, you got to stop fucking doing it. You still eating chocolate? You still, he asks me every time I see him. I'm like, yeah, maybe, you know, so I, that's the thing. If I stopped eating chocolate and went back to doing cardio, I would lose 30 pounds in, in six weeks. Easy. Right. Easy. So yeah, that's it's you, you sabotage yourself and you make your own choices, you know. So I'm like, well, I mean, I I feel okay at 295 or nah, dude, stop that. You know, you felt even better at 254. So yeah, I um the relationship between how you feel and the weight you are is like something that I can't. I I go back and forth because I think like the times of my life that I was the thinnest. I wasn't necessarily happier because you still are you with all your shit, no matter what weight you are. But I was happier with my weight. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what what it is. But you, know? you just got to be happy. I mean, and it's as I'm 48 now and you realize that that's, you just try your best to be as happy as it possibly can. You right. know what I mean? It's all, you're just, that's all you can do. You know, I'm uh it was all little victories. Like once I had the surgery, you know, I, cause I mean, I used to wear like 62 pants, like 62 jeans or whatever. Where did you shop? Uh, you, that's implying that I shopped anywhere. I, I just, I made my own pants out of pelts. <laughs> uh, I, I went to the fat guy house to casual mail and all those bullshit oh, stores, okay. but even they would look at you like, ah, you know, cause if you were really big, mm, like um, we've got a pair for you in the back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had three gonna, people yeah. to shake it out for you. <laughs> it's covering a car in the back. We got to okay. wheel it in. Um, so I mean, I, I, that's why I said I started to live in sweatpants because I hated to go buy clothes mm-hmm. because I would sweat trying them on in the fucking, in the thing. And yeah. like I said, I wasn't unhealthy, but I was unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It just was a thing. Um, but then I started to lose weight and I started again. I, I have at my house, I've probably got like 25 pairs of jeans in differing sizes right. and I refuse to throw away the old ones in case, because your brain goes, well, what if you get fat again and you got to mm-hmm. go buy all, all new jeans? And it's like, I, I, one year, my friends have a Christmas party, and one year I gave away my old jeans as the as the white elephant gift, <laughs> and they sent a picture of three of them in them, you know that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. But now, like I, when I got down to two fifty four, I was wearing thirty eight jeans, which is retarded. I like I, I never, I didn't do that in high school. 
You know, I, I was, I, even my tough skins, I think were forties. So to get down in the 38th was this major accomplishment to be able, you know, when I used to fly, I would sit on the aisle and lean as far away from anybody as I could, because mm-hmm. I didn't want to inconvenience the person in the middle. Mm-hmm. I used to joke when I would get in a plane, you would just see everybody's head sink because it was <laughs> unsuspecting flyer has no idea that fat guy is going to ruin their entire evening. <laughs> um, and I would sit down and they would have to give me that belt, that seat belt extender. Um, one time I flew Southwest. And this is when we were, I was doing Funny Money. They were filming the first shows in Vegas. So they flew the whole crew and everybody. We had to go to Vegas. So I went to Burbank and I, uh, I bought a ticket for Southwest. They bought it for me, the, the production company. Mm-hmm. And I checked in. And at the time, Southwest had a policy. You had to buy two seats if you were fat. Right. So uh, Kevin Smith. Exactly. Debacle, right? Well, I checked in and they, uh, they, nobody said anything, which was great. So I started to walk toward the uh, security line and uh, they stopped me mm. in front of everybody. Hey, excuse me, sir. Come on back. You got to come back. And people are, you know, there's everybody's out there. And they go, you need to buy a second seat. I said, pardon me? And they go, yeah, you're, you're larger than a normal seat. So you're going to have to buy a second seat. So they made me call my production company Ugh. in Las Vegas in front of everybody yeah. and get them to authorize a second seat. So I think I'm going to get fired. I think I'm, you know, oh my God, I'm costing them another $80. It's going to be <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> I'm not that talented. <laughs> Christ. So, uh, so they finally did it and they sold me the seat. So then I get on the plane and I sit down and they start filling up and then they come to me and they go, Hey, it'd be funny a- if the other seat is like not next to the, the initial <laughs> one. In the back. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna, you're going to need to put your leg back there. Uh, that's fine. Uh, so I, they, I had a middle seat next to me mm-hmm. and they came in and they said, Hey, um, we're going to put somebody in that seat. What? And I said, uh, no, you're not. Yeah. And they go, well, no, it's okay. We'll reimburse you when you get to Vegas. And I go, absolutely not. And they go, what do you mean? And I go, you stopped me in front of everybody. You made me call my bosses to buy the seat. This is my fucking seat. Yeah. I don't care if you got to put that person on the wing. <laughs> and they did everything to shame me. They did everything to like to go, well, you know, you, you really shouldn't. Don't you understand that we're trying to, we're going to save you the money and we're, you know, you just, uh, oh my God, you're going to keep somebody off this plane. And I just went, yeah, I am. I mean, I was a jag off. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't let them on the plane. I kept the seat. And, and we flew and I said, and then I was like, I vow I'll never fly Southwest again. And now that's all I fly is Southwest because <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the best, like for changing your schedules, all that nonsense. It's just amazing. So, but I swore I would never do it again. And, right. uh, but I, I, I was like, no fucking way. You're not giving this. You made me pay for it in front of everybody. Yeah. You basically said, Hey fatty, get over here. And so this is mine. And so, and the, they they brought the person on to like stare, mean mug me and be like sad. <laughs> I didn't give a fuck. I'm like, I don't care. You're <laughs> not going to f- make me upset. Jesus. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you just got to be happy. You got to do the best you can to be as happy as you possibly can. See, it's interesting because what I'm hearing from you is fat people have put themselves like they they might not be self-aware and they've put themselves in that position. Like they're doing something that is leading to their body weight, um, which I get. But I also I'm. I have so much sympathy for the way overweight people are treated in this culture. And I think it's awful. And I think that comes from having been the overweight kid growing up sure. and like feeling sorry for the way I was treated. Like I was different and gross. Yeah. I don't want to say that, that everyone has put themselves in this position. I mean, I, I know I was eating away my dead father, you know what I mean? I'm, or I'm eating away my feelings and that's what I did. That's what I chose to do. Yeah. Maybe there are people who have some sort of other disease or some sort of mental think, problem I mean, or maybe just people. Of course. Yeah. Because it's like. I guess I shouldn't imply that people are weak or, or not as good as the other. You know, I mean, you've, everybody finds mm-hmm. themselves in their own special circumstance. Right. Um, I guess I'm talking about individual people and I'm using a broad brush to paint. But I mean, I've dealt with people. You can just see people who kind of. Well, I think you're right, too, though. I'm, I'm not saying that I disagree with what you're saying. I see. 
Um, go ahead. Sorry. I no, it's okay. I, I, I'm glad. I mean, I, cause again, I'm, I don't mean to categorize everybody, mm-hmm. but I'm saying it, it, it seems in, in my dealings, like I, I went to a support group after the surgery too. And it was all people bemoaning the fact that they'd had the surgery and they were happier before. And they're now they, oh, these, they're really? playing. Just, Why? Well, uh, because a lot of women had health problems, you I know, see. with gallbladders and things like that. And these women, and, and I only went to one meeting mm-hmm. because it was me, one other dude. And then there was a bunch of women talking about a lot of women things to do with the surgery. And I was not getting anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also because I'm, uh, uh, I don't suffer fools very well. So it was a lot of people, you know, just and still talking about how to get around it. Well, you know, you can still eat pudding like on Wednesdays. <laughs> you won't get any weight. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah. Why did you do this surgery? What what is what do you hope to accomplish? Right. Uh, so that I I'm colored by that experience mm-hmm. certainly. But I mean, I, I I absolutely agree with you. Uh, fat shaming and being angry at, at people because they're heavy is is horrifying. It's mm-hmm. terrible. Um, you'll I'll see it on a plane now. Again, I'm a big dude now. Um, and people still give me the, the rolling of the eyes. And I want to go, dude, if you saw me six years ago, <laughs> you would be so upset right now. Uh, I wouldn't even see your head. You would just be, be just buried under folds, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible what they put people through. But also at the same time, I have to admit, um, people who are the, you know, the National Association of Fat Acceptance Organization or whatever the fuck, it's like, nah. NAFA? I, yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, I, I'm not so sure I'm on board with the cause with, yeah. with those people. I, I understand. Oh, that's interesting. Let's yeah. all be nice to one another, but don't make me think that the choice you've made is the proper one. I mean, maybe it's the right. proper one for you, mm-hmm. but then don't Norma Ray and ring the fucking bell and tell me that we're all, hey, come on, it's okay that we're, yeah, I just, I have a problem with that as a right. guy who's that big, even as a guy who's been, you know, prejudiced against and, and treated differently because of my weight. But I also knew my weight was my fault. It's interesting. I had, you know, Matt Myra. Uh-huh. I had him on the podcast and he used to be 400 and something pounds and used to, he had to sleep like on his knees, leaning on the bed Jesus. or something. Yeah. And he has the same kind of, um, not much sympathy for the very overweight. Yeah. And I sort of wonder if this is like super psychological and obvious, but I wonder if it's just also a bit of, anger at the person you used to be and like the necessary anger this thing of like i have to be angry at that guy or else i could become that guy again i i get that uh, but i'm kind of angry at everything i mean i don't you know what i mean <laughs> so i i hate i hate me and i've hated me skinny or fat so that's fine uh, i i but i do get that where you're you're you know, you're constantly on alert to not be that person, yeah. you know, because I, 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 I think I'm a good person. I think I'm a good guy, but also I know that I've got terrible in me and, and there's been bad things that I've done or things that I've, and I hold myself accountable for them and I beat myself up constantly. What's the worst thing you've done? Um, what to a, to a person or to the thing that haunts you the most? Well, I wouldn't say this haunted me. I, I honestly, I think I stole 20 years of my ex-wife's life. Mm. You know, I mean, I, she, and that's, that to me was the biggest transgression. Um, because you know, I, I, you commit to something, you're supposed to do what you're supposed to do and you say you are, and then you don't, you just act. I was selfish and, and, uh, you know, I, I think I may have, uh, stolen, I, I said it, I've said it many times. I stole her life. Uh, so it doesn't haunt me. I'm, I've through therapy and now with Jill and being happy and, and all that, I'm, I'm much happier and I'm able to recognize that, you know, that's not true. 
because, uh, you know, I've had friends who told me, Hey, you know, she did this and this and this, and she could have left any fucking time and you weren't that guy. And I'm like, all right, I get that, but it doesn't matter because you, you only carry the yoke of responsibility that you assign yourself. Right. So I will bury myself in fucking pity and anger and rage all the time and pit and, and say, I'm the guy. It was my fault. I'll, I'll accept responsibility. Um, when in reality it was 50, 50, right. But in your darker moments, you go, well, you know what? I did that and I did it poorly. So I wouldn't say it haunts me, but I would say that that is absolutely the biggest transgression of my life. Right. Um, awkward subject change. Hey, if you're <laughs> going to buy something on Amazon, perhaps antacids, chocolate covered fruit. Size 62 jeans. Size 62 jeans. Hershey bars. License Hershey, plate of chocolate. Gigantic Hershey bar. Fruity pebbles. Fruity pebbles. A big spoon, a small spoon. A set of spoons. Click through the Amazon banner on my website at alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps the show. Thank you guys so much for your Amazon support. Thank you for your PayPal support, PayPal links. If you would like to pay definitely upwards of $6,000 to have me come follow you (laughs) and just be myself for three days, maybe I'll even do that. I don't know. It's a new idea. I got to figure out what the price would be. Um, Just stand up for sale. Uh, And Jeff... Where can we go to find you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. And listeners, if you think that this the show's over, it's not yet. I'm just putting the plugs up here. I'm switching things around. I'm keeping you on your toes. Don't turn this off. Don't do it. That's right. You didn't get one over on us. You get one over on you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're the ones who plug. Yeah. <laughs> um, it always like, makes sense to plug all of your stuff right after the guest admits the worst mistake he's ever made in his life. Yeah. Because that's that's absolutely when people are paying attention. I think so. Mike Schmidt, uh, where should we go to find you and plug whatever you'd like to plug? Uh, you can go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Uh, there's our Joe Business page with all sorts of merch and we've got downloads and live stuff and things like that. You can go to Facebook.com slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. You can go to Twitter.com slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. Follow me, friend me, and do all the things you can do at all of those places. And follow me at Allison Rosen, the show's Twitter feed at ARIYMBF. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. And I'm also everywhere else, and it's all easy to find. Um, just go to my website, AllisonRosen.com. We also have T-shirts available. You need them. Um, and it feels wrong to not go into the other things we have available, but I got to save a little something for later. I, I, you know, I hate to be that guy. Also, the 40-Year-Old Boy podcast is available on iTunes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you can get it right there on the website. And uh, I have a live show April 18th at the Three Clubs on Vine at Santa Monica. It's called 202020. I help produce it, and it's me, Marie Valeriano, and Jackie Cation all doing 20 minutes each. That's this Monday, April 18th. I don't know when this airs. Uh, this will air afterwards, and I hope that the show was wonderful. People, I'm sure you loved it when you showed up. <laughs> uh, let's do Just Mirror, everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? JMOs for A Rose says double, triple, quadruple check a phone number, then check it again before hitting the green button. Um, I'm not that rigorous with my checking of the phone number. No, me neither. I'm either going to get you or I'm not. And who's calling people anyway, for Christ's sake? I know. Exactly. But in dreams, I often have the dream where I'm dialing and I'm hitting the wrong numbers and I can't, can't place a call. In dreams, I usually have to make phone calls. Uh, Suzanne. Oh my God. (laughs) That's beautiful. All right. Suzanne says, just me or everyone, get irritated when people mispronounce warriors as warriors. Hate it. I'm with her. Any mispronunciation, any 
any sort of punctuation mistake. I am a, a horrible grammar and, and pronunciation Nazi, and I'm with her, absolutely. I've noticed that on social media, I've started dropping the comma before a quote. Oh, the Oxford, uh, is that the Oxford? Or no, not? it's, that's that's, it's neither. Yeah, it's just before a quote. I just started doing that too. Really? Why are we doing it? It's I mean, it's so... an extra character. It's just, it feels, it's so fussy. It's, <laughs> I'm all for the proper grammar, but when you're just texting someone yeah. or it's a little tweet or something, ugh, it's just so much extra work. You're yeah. contributing the downfall of society, Jeff. Well, not just in that way. <laughs> now I'm contributing to the downfall of grammar. No, I'm, I like grammar. I'm, I'm a fusspot for grammar, but I, I've actually reached the point where I will, I've gotten rid of the comment and then I think I'm getting rid of the quotes too. You get yes. it. I will text Jill, and if there's a typo from my fat thumb, I will literally retext it and go delete that last one so it's not even in your history. I don't, I don't want it even existing in, in this world. Mm, and but you're like, easygoing. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like phones are so funky now with yeah. autocorrect and all that. When people get bent out of shape when you tweet something and the grammar's not I right know. or it's there or there, it's, come on, 95% of the time it's not you, it's your phone, yeah. so... Although Whatever. I I tweeted something about a Best Buy date, and as I was about to tweet it, I was like, "It's by not buy. It's not the store." But of course, I tweeted buy anyway. So oh. people let me know about that. <laughs> Sooner Magic says sometimes get carried away on laundry day and search the house for random things to wash. When I first was on my own doing my own laundry, I kind of went nuts with laundry, and I'm like. I was throwing everything in, and I ruined a lot of garments that way. Really? Yeah. But how? In just hots Thin and colds or colors and ruins or how do you do it? Things that I think should have only been dry cleaned, maybe. Oh, my God. You went bananas. I went bananas. I was like, I've worn this thing once. It's going in. <laughs> <laughs> Get that tuxedo. Just throw yeah. it in the, in the washer. I just remember I had this really cool like black and white plaid, tweedy, jackety thing that zipped, and it was so much smaller when it... When I was done with it, wow. I couldn't wear it anymore. I'm, I'm careful about the laundry I do. I mean, I separate everything and all that, but uh, but I also will scour the house for any... I, I, I If I do my laundry and I realize I have the... I'll have like a dish rag in mm -hmm. my car, like I'll carry a towel, and I, I'm so furious that I now have to wash an entire load just to wash that one, because I want all my clothes done at once. Right. Very easy going. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, I don't like when I find a sock. Yep. Like just, oh, there's a dirty sock. And then I think, or could it be clean? And like, no, it's turned inside out and sort of smushed up. It's dirty. Yeah. I, my only hang up is when I don't have a full load in the washing machine. I feel very guilty about only doing a quarter, half a load. And that's when I'll scatter. I don't know what it is. It's, it's the laundry equivalent of not being able to leave an empty plate, which I also do, by the way. Will you throw clean clothes in to fill out the load? Oh, wow. No, but that's a good idea. I do it. I mean, I always... <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. I, I can always turn something You can't wash a, You can do a small load. No. Okay. Just no. Get, you're, you're just getting your clothes extra, extra clean. <laughs> Squeaky. Yeah. Where are you guys with uh, fabric softener? I've, I've, I don't use it at all anymore. I do use it. Um, but a lot of times I'll just use vinegar instead. Oh my Ooh. Christ. What? I, what is that? It does the Board exact, it does the exact same thing. It costs less. It fabric softener actually makes your clothes more dingy and less absorbent. Right. So it if, can ruin towels. Yeah. So if you're washing towels or towels that you wash or dry your car with, 
it's a good idea not to use fabric softener because it will ruin their absorbency. I'm a downy man and I would bathe in it if I could. Mm. It co- smells so good. Oh, yeah. April Fresh. Yeah. Why did they even, they added new flavors. I'm I like, what, dude, April Fresh got it done. That's it. You're done. Nobody needs spring rain or whatever the fuck. I think it's, it's just a money-making racket, you guys. Don't like it. Mona Z says, wonder if sorry, not sorry means I apologize for not being sorry or sorry, no, change my mind, not sorry. I think it means sorry that I'm not sorry. Deal with it. Yeah. I'm it's, sassy. Yeah, it's a, it's a finger snap in verbal form. Mm, Don't like it. Yes. Alicia Sawyer says, Hold your, just mirror everyone, hold your breath as you walk past certain people because you don't want to inhale whatever wafts your way. Hashtag germs, hashtag dead skin cells. I mean, I think we've all walked past the person, the homeless person where you're like, I'm going to hold my breath on this one. Oh, speaking of laundry, I did laundry last weekend and there was a guy in there with the wettest, hackiest, longest cough. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was, I've done that I was already starting my laundry and I held my breath until I got out of there. I sure. mean, it was it, it was the, the the most tuberculosian cough. <laughs> oh God, awful! I, I I was just at Ralph's last night buying bananas, and the produce guy was in desperate need of of some sort of hygiene. It was terrible, and I did. I held my breath, and he was it, handling the produce. He was he was stacking apples, and I'm I'm never eating apples oh, from this so, Ralph's. That's gross. Yeah, bananas at least had that protective outer coating. I think that's called a skin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dummy. Uh, <laughs> appeal. Actually. Yeah, appeal. There you yeah. go. Katrina Oberlin says, even though I know, I'm sorry, you know what I'm still stuck on? The fact that you had to eat toothpaste to make the acid feel better. That is so it. gross. Yeah, it was terrifying. Did it I mean, neutralize I, it in some way? Uh, because, well, because your throat is raw from acid. And mm-hmm. so I would, I would literally have to, I was coughing up orange. I mean, it was like literally acid, stomach acid was in my throat. So I'm <laughs> coughing it up. I just ask about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I would, I would brush my teeth and then I would just, instead of spitting and rinsing, I would just swallow and swallow it. And then I would actually put toothpaste on my tongue and swallow it because it made it minty and it dealt because it was still raw and really sore from the acid. I would think that the toothpaste would also be abrasive. But it it, it is, but it's a better abrasive. I mean, you know, because you know acid. I mean, you've, right. we've all thrown up and you get that thing. Yeah. Uh, well, so that's imagine that in right. your yeah. throat and mouth. I know, also. Even if you drink water, you can't make it go away. So right. there was a minty, refreshing coolness to it, a menthol kind of. Well, I'm a close up man, so yeah. it was a, more of a cinnamony. Uh-huh. Uh, but it went down, but it's still enough where it actually had like almost a, a cooling effect, even though the throat was still real raw. Interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Katrina Oberlin says, even though I know it's the light switch, I still get nervous it's the garbage disposal switch. Um, oh. I don't have that particular one, but whenever we give... If we give Wendy a bath in the sink, I always have this like nightmarish fear of what if accidentally the garbage disposal gets turned on and her foot slips down the thick. So I'm very like, I'm very, my one eye is always on the garbage disposal switch if she's ever in the sink. Oh yeah. I, I, well, we all, I mean. But that's probably common of pet owners. <laughs> well, but yeah, but all, and also if you've ever read a Stephen King novel, that's in your brain every time you go to fish anything out of the, 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 the garbage disposal. On, yeah. yeah. On accident or some, right. some sort of power surge makes it happen and you lose a thumb. <laughs> so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Although is she saying all light switches around her house or just the one by the sink? I, I hope. I don't know. I don't know. Because that's a weird fear. Because like, now you're thinking, hey, what if the power grid got all screwed up and right. my dining room light controls the garbage disposal at this point? Now I'm afraid of everything. My weird move was <laughs> whenever I would have to stick my hand into the garbage disposal to unjam it, to make sure the light switch was safe, 
or the the garbage disposal switch, I would put my hand on the garbage disposal switch as though I was holding it down to prevent it from spontaneously mm-hmm. turning on. And then I realized, well, that's a terrible idea. You I shouldn't s- be touching it at all. No, no. you can sneeze. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Or you hit something, you're, like you hit a blade and you go, ah, and yeah. you're, you flinch and you yeah. turn it on and forget about it. Yeah. Okay. Toby Milton says, just mirror everyone, when I'm just getting sick, don't take a cold pill before I leave the house and always regret it, but never do it. What's a cold pill? Like, like a Theraflu or something? Yeah. Theraflu or what is it called? NyQuil. Mm. NyQuil. Day AM, Quill. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, if I feel any tickle at all, I, uh, the first thing I do, I just I buy two gallons of orange juice. I just pound it all day. I mean, mm. I'll, I'll take two Theraflu and just literally drink orange juice and take vitamin C. So, I mean, right. I, I'm very preemptive. I don't, I don't want to be sick ever. And I'm never sick, which is good. But when I feel it happening, forget about it. So I, I would not leave the house without taking it. I have the thing where if there's a pill I need to take, I will wonder, did I, like an allergy pill, let's say, like, did I take it or did I just think I should take it? I've either taken five or none. Yeah, I've done that. (laughs) So that's not good. Um, But now, like, there's a pill I have to take every morning. So before bed, I take it out of the bottle and I put it in this little jewelry box that's next to my bed. And then I get it out of that in the morning and then i always that's like my system it hasn't failed me yet that's a good system it's an okay system but do you ever do you ever look at it and the jewelry box is empty empty and you think wait did i take that or did i forget to put it in last night there was one time where by the way it's a thyroid pill which is part of fertility um they adjust everyone's thyroid um in case people are like well what's this mystery pill (laughs) um I was so, I could not remember having taken the pill, mm-hmm. but it, the jewelry box was empty, but I could remember putting the pill in it, but I just had zero memory of taking it so that it bothered me all day. Like, did mm. I drop it? Did I, did I, for, I just couldn't believe that I'd taken it even though based on my system I had. Right. But I like that because you, there are two stops in the system. So yeah. if you could forget one, but you're not going to forget both. So as long as you remember that one step in the system was done and there's no pill, you know you took it. There you go. I like it. Very systematic. Thank you. Don't want to eat by the pill house with the little days on it. Yes. I've wondered that for years and years now. (laughs) (laughs) Jill just bought me a giant one, but Mm -hmm. I take eight a day so they don't fit in the little house. Oh. Um, You got to buy an even bigger one. Yeah. I got to buy just a vending machine. A (laughs) fucking gumball machine. Leanne Ward says, "Variety pack. Oh, you'll appreciate this. Right. Variety packs always seem to have the least of my favorite flavors. Maybe you won't appreciate. It. I was thinking it might. I was thinking about the apricot chocolates. It's a little bit different, but yeah, I agree with that. Variety yeah. packs always do have the least of your favorite. I feel like they do it on purpose. Of course they do. Yeah, they they go ahead and they flood you. With, it's, we used to have one when we were kids. You'd buy a variety pack Syrup, and you get cereal." Uh, or, or chips. The chips. Yeah. And uh, you'd get like a billion pretzels and potato chips and there'd be two corn chips. Right. And I got four brothers. So it's just this fucking free-for-all trying to get the corn chips. Yeah. And we're all big house dudes. That was terrible. It was a mess. It's bullshit. And lastly, Matt K says, put most frequently used apps on the lower or right half of my phone screen closest to my thumb. That's smart. I don't do that. I should though. Yeah. I make little houses for all my apps. Oh, really? My mm-hmm. husband does that. Wait, houses like, you mean you file them all? Yeah, I make a little birdhouse. I actually have that. I keep them at my house in, in separate places. In popsicle sticks? Yeah. It's smart. That's smart. 
<laughs> yeah, I make a little like there's a travel and an entertainment and all yes. that, and that's where they all live. Do you have that, Jeff? You're organized. I I have two kind of tiers of organization where ones that I use all the time, they're just on my front screen. And then I'll have them organized by screen. So to the left will be mostly tech tools. And then to the right will be more entertainment things. Mm. And then if need be, I'll make a folder and put them in it. But I actually don't get too fussy about it. Yeah. I hate the clutter so much. I have a fu- I have a little house that's called Things I Will Never Use. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and so I put in the tech. What is it? The the stock market and yes. all, all that bullshit Apple Nasdaq, makes you have. Yeah. And I'm just like, forget it. So yeah, I got a little house with net, literally just this moribund desolation address for all of my apps I will never see. You know what you need? What do I need? A ringtone. Hey, hey, that one. hey, go fuck yourself. But we also have. Touch the tushy, touch, touch. The we weren't tushy, telling you to go fuck yourself, by the way. Oh, we were telling those apps. Are you telling me to touch the tushy? Yes, I am. You can get these on my website. Just click on the store. They're also available on iTunes and they're on Gumroad. We also have a, we have bonus episodes available. Some of them for a pay what you wish price. Uh, again, go to my website, go to the store or iTunes or Gumroad. Okay. I always now that now that I have shuffled things around and I do the plugs earlier, I get to this point and I'm like, "Wait, are we done?" You faked yourself out. I know. There's. I think that there's. Uh, uh, now I pulled the wool over my own eyes, and now I'm just reaching for things, hitting the garbage disposal by mistake, reaching exactly. for the light. Mike Schmidt. Allison it was Rosen. delightful having you on the show. Well, thank you. I'm thank glad you, you finally, so much. Yeah, it was nice of you to ask. I appreciate it. I mean, I'd like to do more and more and more appearances on your show. I'd like to be on every week. I'll see what we can work out. <laughs> I don't want you to be a dark cloud, though. This is the Jimmy. No, it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really great talking to you. Thank you so much, listeners. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Sam Rosen is your new best friend.